0: Lift off. We have a lift off. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404 872 750 WSB talk. The Boeing Max 8 grounded. Facebook shut down. Uh, is this all the part of the apocalypse? No idea. Uh, So the president decided to ground the Boeing Max 8 planes. Uh, Boeing says there's not a problem with them, but the media has found a very unique angle with which to blame the president. Boeing was rolling out a software update. So to review, the Boeing 737s in the past have an anti-stall system the anti-stall system is a computer program when it detects that the wind speed over the wings is decreased because of the nose of the plane being at an angle that wind cannot flow over the wings enough to give lift. The plane automatically begins dipping the nose of the aircraft. Uh, Boeing pilots, including in the United States, have noticed that if planes are taking off in storms with headwinds that sometimes that can trigger the system. And in the past, all pilots had to do was pull up on the, on the stick and the uh, anti-stall system would turn off. Well, in the 737 MAX 8, Boeing changed the system so that you have to push a button to turn it off. So you push a button to turn it off instead of pulling back on the stick. Boeing thought that would ultimately wind up being safer and and more useful. And they didn't put that in the training manual. Yeah, kind of, kind of a Big issue there. So, in other words, uh, pilots who are used to flying the 737, when the anti stall system kicks in, they pull back on the stick. They're used to it then turning off the anti stall system. Well, now they pull up on the stick and it doesn't turn off. They got to push a button and they didn't know they were supposed to push a button. So, Boeing was going to issue a software update. Uh, Essentially, my understanding of the software update is one, to trigger a warning, two, to uh, make sure that the stall system wasn't too sensitive, and three, was to give the option to engage the stick um that that's my don't hold me to that that's my understanding of reading one of the news reports out there but that was basically it well now apparently there's a presidential angle here the government shutdown yes that's right it's all donald trump's fault the people in ethiopia died because boeing couldn't submit it for approval to the faa during the government shutdown at least that's the angle some reporters are taking which is nuts uh, boeing itself says it was still in the testing phase and not yet ready to roll out. And the reporters say, oh, but it would have been but for the government shutdown. Everybody's got to try to find an angle to blame the president on this. Uh, In the meantime, Boeing is rolling out the software update. They are getting the FAA approval and the plane should be back up. This does not affect Delta. Delta does not have any Boeing 737, 8 or 9 Maxes in their fleet. Uh, Southwest does. American does. And airlines overseas do. And those will be addressed. I, I, I do have to tell you, there, there's a random angle here too with me in that I'm being attacked by people on social media for racism over the story. You're wondering where the racism comes in, no doubt. I am too. I noted that there are a number of stories that have come out over the past year that one of the reasons Boeing was making changes in its airlines, including push buttons and things like that, is that pilots in other countries, particularly in third world countries, Uh, do not have the training that American pilots do. Typically, American pilots go through the Air Force. The Air Force has very, very rigorous training. They then get into the private sector, and they have more flight hours than a pilot in Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Ethiopia. Not in all cases— Um, But in in most cases, third world pilots tend to have less uh, simulator time, less training time than Western pilots because so many Western pilots go through their country's air forces and particularly in this country. Well, apparently it's racist to point that out. It's racist to point out. That Boeing is trying to simplify the operation of its airlines for pilots in these countries that do not have the flight time or simulator time that Western pilots tend to have. It's, it's racism to point out it affects their world countries in particular, uh, which is just nuts. It's the truth. Uh, there, there are ample stories out there. You can Google them if you like and find them that Boeing and Airbus both are mindful. They've got to start simplifying their planes as best as possible for lack of training. And th- this is ultimately going to affect Western pilots because more and more we're seeing people not going into the Air Force, they're jumping out. going straight into commercial aviation, not getting the same rigorous training that you get in the Air Force. All that being said, now we need to get into local news and the fetal heartbeat legislation. It's moved to the Senate and it's been assigned to the science committee. You'll you'll recall Renee Unterman was moved out of the insurance committee because she supports expanded Obamacare in the state and did not support uh, getting rid of certificates of need and Brian Kemp's health care reform. She was also a big loyal lieutenant of Casey Cagle. So she was moved out of that committee, caused a scene, raised some ruckus, tried to get the Equal Rights Amendment passed. Turned out that it would be a a pro-abortion piece of legislation. So she backed down on that because she considers herself pro-life and now she's been assigned the task of getting the fetal heartbeat bill through the Senate and man Democrats are hopping mad. So the the science committee is a small committee. There are three Republicans, two Democrats on it. So the lieutenant governor is assigning one or two more Republicans to the committee to make sure they can have quorum to get this through. And, of course, the Democrats are saying, oh, they're not even trusting the woman to do it. They're trying to stack the committee. They're just trying to provoke Renee Enterman. Uh, Jen Jordan, a a left-wing Democrat, is the Democrat on this committee. She's already crying foul about this stuff. Meanwhile, Stacey Abrams has come out and is demanding that Georgia businesses deal with this. She's demanding that they speak up and and shut down this legislation, that they usually do it with religious freedom. Now she wants them to go on record in favor of killing kids. They're not going to. Uh, Abrams is trying to rally businesses. Essentially, what's happening now is is you have nationwide. We'll get into uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and play some of her audio with Wells Fargo. But you nationwide, you've got Democrats trying to shake down businesses for left wing social policy, and oftentimes it works on on gay issues, transgender issues, uh, religious liberty issues. It works when it comes to abortion, though. Uh, businesses tend to understand pro lifers tend to be the most passionate, and they don't want to disrupt pro-lifers. That's one reason in states, there are a lot of states now that are trying to force nonprofits and 501c4 political organizations to disclose donors. Interestingly enough, in states like New Jersey and New York and elsewhere, where liberals love this sort of stuff, you've got Planned Parenthood coming out against this. And the reason they're against it is because they don't want pro-lifers to find out which small businesses are giving them money. They understand that pro-lifers are a force to be reckoned with and that pro-life issues transcend party lines. Well, in Georgia, they're trying to make it all about women's rights. Uh, It really is a sad day that women's rights has become the euphemism for killing kids. It used to be you just say abortion, but no, no. Now it's women's rights or women's health. Women's health means you can kill a kid. And let's not dance around the euphemism. That's actually what it is. What the legislation would do is once a child in utero has a heartbeat on its own, it would restrict abortions in the state. This is actually popular. This is actually majority support among women nationwide. That once a child has a heartbeat, there should be increased restrictions on abortion up to, at near birth, prohibiting abortion at all. This isn't some wacko idea. This is actually supported by a significant portion and a majority of women in the country. You would never know that from the way the media covers it. The media is to the left of the American public on abortion. Even here in Georgia, the media tends to be uh, further to the left than your average voter. They tend to be uh, in lockstep with Democrats on the abortion issue. So they're given lots of play to a Democratic initiative coming out of the House that would essentially be a testicular Bill of Rights is what they're calling it. It would restrict men. Notice their juxtaposition on this. The fetal heartbeat bill applies to a woman who is carrying a child and the child has a heartbeat. It's about the child. The Democrats are desperate to try to convince you it has nothing to do with the child. So what they're doing is they're doing this, this men's health law that would restrict men in their health. Now, granted, if, if there is a woman who is not pregnant, the fetal heartbeat bill doesn't apply to her. So the Democrats have decided that that there should be a law against men that applies to all men, which is crazy. By the way, uh, under Democratic logic now, men can get pregnant. Under the logic of the Democrats of the 21st century, men can get pregnant, and their law doesn't take into account that. So clearly there is transphobia in the Democrats' law coming out of the state Senate. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. My Butterfly Pillow gives you support in the places you need it most, keeping neck and spine in alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides. My Butterfly Pillow, it's patented sleep technology that elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft, it's comfortable, you can stay in one position all night. The height of My Butterfly Pillow is adjustable. Do you fall asleep to white noise, meditative sounds? My Butterfly Pillow has Bluetooth adapted night owl speakers so you can listen to music, sounds, or even smart TV. Now, I would like to tell you all about My Butterfly Pillow. My Butterfly Pillow, they sent me one and I got to use it one night. And then my kid confiscated it and hasn't given it back, loves it, Uh, has a um, 3.5 millimeter jack, can plug in an iPad or an iPhone or an iPod and listen to music through the night while they sleep, surrounding themselves with music, very comfortable pillow. They love it. They, they're the ones who swear by it. So listeners to the Eric Erickson show can save thirty dollars off the list price of $129. Use code Eric, E-R-I-C-K at checkout, and you'll get my butterfly pillow for just ninety-nine dollars and free shipping in the continental United States. Go to mybutterflypillow.com and enter code Eric at checkout. You'll save thirty dollars and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. The checkout code is Eric. It will change the way you sleep. Song. I like this one. So, y'all, I everybody thought that dwarf tossing was was not a thing, but apparently dwarf tossing is actually a thing. Uh, Senator Hirono from Hawaii has announced that she is going to oppose um, Ra- was it Elaine, Elaine Rao. Uh, Rao, you know, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having a brain fart now, aren't I? Uh, Naomi, that's it, Naomi, not Elaine, Naomi Rao. Naomi Rao was the president's nominee to replace Brett Kavanaugh on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Well, (laughs) Hirono asked her a question about dwarf tossing, and Naomi Rao did not take the question seriously during her confirmation. Who would take it seriously? Well, now Senator Hirono has gone to the floor of the Senate to announce she will be opposing Naomi Rao because Naomi Rao isn't opposed to dwarf tossing.
1: Naomi Rao is a nominee who has not only expressed offensive and controversial views in her 20s, but she has also continued to make concerning statements as a law professor. And her recent actions as Donald Trump's administrator of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, OIRA, have shown that her controversial statements from her 20s cannot be ignored as merely youthful indiscretions. At the hearing, I asked her why, as a law professor, professor, she defended dwarf tossing by arguing that a ban on dwarf tossing, quote to quote her, coerces individuals to accept a societal view of dignity that negates the dignity of an individual's choice to be tossed. Does she seriously believe that dwarfs who are tossed do not share a societal view of dignity, that being tossed is an affront to human dignity? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. So who was Rao's point? This comes from a, uh,
0: a a law hypothetical. Those of you who have gone to law school know you, you deal in hypos. We hypos, as one of my professors used to call them, Hi- hypotheticals. Uh, You get these hypothetical questions and and Naomi Rao's point was that if someone wants, if a dwarf wants to participate in dwarf tossing, the government telling them they can't be thrown through the air is offensive to their individual idea of what is and is not appropriate to their class of people. And so what Hirono is saying is because Naomi Rao thought a dwarf who wanted to be thrown through the air should be allowed to be thrown through the air, that that's offensive, that no dwarf would actually want that. <laughs> I would laugh harder, except I would start coughing because of my allergies. This is just crazy. This, you know, so I was in Washington several weeks ago when I went up to meet with the vice president and was uh, uh, was in the Senate. And I some of the, the Senate Democrats are friends of mine as well. And was talking to some of them, some of the Republicans in the room, and we were laughing about uh, Mike Lee's interaction with uh, Hirono on the Senate Judiciary Committee. And even the Democrats kind of sigh and roll their eyes that uh, there's something wrong with the woman, that there's just something not right with her. She actually, on the floor of the United States Senate a while back, argued that the Equal Protection Clause did not apply to the federal government. Now, this is a woman who went to Georgetown Law School. And it makes you wonder if her parents uh, participated in the college bribery scandal to get her into Georgetown Law School. Uh, goodness gracious. Now, when we come back, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, more deep thoughts from AOC. She went after the Wells Fargo CEO for wanting to know why Wells Fargo was caging children. They're not. And then she wanted to know why Wells Fargo wasn't willing to clean up its its natural disaster uh, oil pipeline spills. And Wells Fargo had to point out, the CEO had to point out we don't actually make or build or operate pipelines. And she wasn't placated. this is this is where we're headed towards with these socialist nincompoops poops who think they're saying something smart and they're not really. Uh, and it opens a bag of worms on the left that they're not really paying attention to. Get into the deep thoughts of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our resident socialist in the House of Representatives. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here at Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number, if you want to call into the show, 404 872 750 1800 WSB Talk. The phone lines are open. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she interviewed uh, the Wells. I shouldn't say she interviewed, she questioned the Wells Fargo CEO at a hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday, let me just play you the short clip that has some of the buzz going first.
2: Mr. Sloan, why was the bank involved in the caging of children and financing the caging of children to begin with?
3: Uh, I, I don't know how to answer the, that question because we weren't.
2: Uh, so in finance you were financing and involved in debt financing of course Pacificvic and Geo Group, correct.
3: For a a period of time, we were involved in financing. One of the firms We're not anymore, and the other, I'm not familiar with the the specific uh, assertion that you're making, but we weren't directly involved in that. Okay.
0: So what the heck is she talking about? So Wells Fargo provided loans to a group that was a private contractor for the federal government that oversaw some of the, the asylum and detention facilities along the southern border. Including, by the way, I should note the so-called caging of children, putting them in uh, secure facilities to keep them away from child predators and and the traffickers who were trafficking them across the border, was done when Barack Obama was president. Uh, That's what she's getting at, that that somehow Wells Fargo, by supplying money as a bank to this institution— uh, is responsible for that institution's operations. Well, let, let's get into the larger issue here. I want to play for you the larger sound clip of this and just walk you through this. Let's listen to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and her line of questioning.
2: Uh, why shouldn't the bank be held responsible for financing the cleanup of the of the disasters from these projects?
0: Now, what she's talking about is uh, Wells Fargo providing loans to a petrochemical company that is building a pipeline to for oil and gas. Uh, which pipeline are you referring to?
2: Um, either, you know.
3: So we, we were not involved in the financing of the, X, of the XL pipeline. We were one of the 17 or 19 banks that was involved in the financing of the Dakota Access Pipeline.
2: Okay, so uh, so Wells Fargo hasn't financed any company associated with the Keystone XL pipeline?
3: No, I, I didn't okay. say that. I, I oh. said we're not involved in financing that pipeline specifically. So,
0: so she doesn't even have her facts straight to begin with. She's worried about the Keystone XL pipeline. Wells Fargo funded some pipelines, uh, money for some companies to build some pipelines, but not that one.
2: So let's focus on the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, Should Wells Fargo be held responsible for the damages incurred by climate change due to the financing of fossil fuels and and these projects?
3: I I don't know how you'd calculate that, Congresswoman. Um,
2: Say from spills or when we have to reinvest in infrastructure, building seawalls from the uh, erosion of... Um, from the erosion of infrastructure or cleanups, wildfires,
0: etc. So, bank lends money to company X. Company X is an oil company. The oil company produces fossil fuels. Uh, you then burn those fossil fuels in your car. So, we should tax the banks to deal with you burning fossil fuels.
3: Related to that pipeline, I'm not aware that there's been any of
0: what you described that's mm-hmm. occurred. Related How about to
2: that um, the cleanups from? There uh, we go. Why shouldn't the bank be Yeah, held-
0: Sorry, I, I hit the button and we would have to do it all over, but you get the point. Uh, this line of questioning goes on for another minute and a half where she wants to know why the bank shouldn't be responsible for uh, global warming, why the bank shouldn't be responsible for uh, caging of children, why the bank shouldn't be responsible for all sorts of things. Let's see if I can get some of this back.
3: Related to that pipeline, I'm not aware that there's been any of what you described that's mm-hmm. occurred. Related How about to that
2: um, the cleanups from the leaks of the Dakota Access Pipeline?
3: I'm, I'm not aware of the de- leaks associated with the Dakota Access Pipeline Uh, that you're describing.
2: So hypothetically, if there was a leak.
0: So it's all hypothetical now. Mm
2: -hmm. uh, Why shouldn't Wells Fargo pay for the cleanup of it if since it paid for the construction of the pipeline itself?
0: Because we don't
3: operate the pipeline. We provide financing to the company that's operating the pipeline, our responsibility is to ensure that at the time that we make that loan, that, that, that customer, and we have a group of people in Wells Fargo, including an environmental oversight group headed by one of my colleagues who used to be at the
2: EPA. Uh, so one question, why did Wells Fargo finance this pipeline Notice when every time it time was it makes a point, she to be environmentally you. unstable?
3: Uh, again, the reason that we were one of the 17 or 19 banks that financed that is because our team reviewed the environmental impact and we concluded that it was it was a risk that we, we were willing to take.
0: So notice, notice what she's saying here. Well, first of all, every time he begins to make a point that can refute her, she inter- interrupts him and moves on to another question so that he can't be refuted. Uh, which is fascinating. But again, what her logic is, is that banks must be responsible for the companies to whom they've lent money. The bank reviews, makes sure the project is sound, gives money, and then the company screws it up. Somehow the bank is supposed to be liable. Uh, What she's getting at here is banks lending money to gun manufacturers. It's not just climate change for her. You see where this goes. Uh, A bank lends money to uh, pick your gun manufacturer, Glock and someone uses a Glock to kill someone. Well, she wants the bank to be held responsible for Glock manufacturing a gun that they sold to someone that then someone got their hands on to kill someone else. She wants to expand the liability to multiple degrees of separation from what actually happened. But the reason she's doing this is important for you to understand. So what she's actually saying is, I mean, just, just follow this logic back. Uh, you are hit by a drunk driver who's driving a GMC that you, according to her logic, don't just sue the drunk driver, but you also sue GMC because GMC sold the drunk driver the car, but the car was financed by SunTrust. So you can also sue SunTrust. Now, why is she doing this? It's important for you to understand. She, she's applying this to a, a democratic socialist view. When when Democrats say they want socialism, this is what they're getting at. They want a, a that businesses are required to contemplate the demands of the sociopolitical infrastructure of a country. So under capitalism, you have a, uh, a, a an arms-length transaction between you and someone else. And the only people who can be responsible if things go south are you and that someone else. Under the socialist structure that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants is everyone who's tangentially involved is also responsible because of the social compact. So the bank must use its determination, not just of whether or not a project is sound, but whether a project is good for the collective. And if the bank makes a decision the collective decides is wrong, well, then the bank can also be attacked. This isn't really socialism. This actually is communism, is what she's advocating for, is what I'm getting at. Well, she believes that we no longer have arms length transactions in this country, that everything must be judged based on the social compact, based on the collective, based on whether or not the collective thinks it's a good thing. That's deeply dangerous. It, but it's not just guns where this can be an issue. It's not just oil pipelines that can be an issue. It's not just uh, private contractors for the federal government where it can be an issue. It's also Planned Parenthood. Can you and I now, would would she be okay with us passing laws in the state of Georgia, punishing banks for giving loans to Planned Parenthood because we have decided in our social compact, we think that abortion is wrong and Planned Parenthood should be shut down. So any bank that gives Planned Parenthood money must also be punished because that's where we're headed with this. It's essentially a mobocracy deciding that the, the collective decides what's right for society, and anyone who fails to disagree with her or anyone who disagrees with the collective can be punished at any step along the way. That's where she wants to head for this country. That's not very American. That's very Soviet. Maybe instead of Chairman Mu, we really do need to go with Bolshevik Barbie for her. Righty to the phones, we shall go. Uh, I want to go to Trey, incoming. Welcome. Hey Trey. Hey, thanks, Eric. Sure. Yep, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Um, Big fan. I appreciate the insights that you bring to us uh, every afternoon. Sure. So I'm just going to make a comment and like to hear your response. But in talking about, you know, the comments about the bank should be responsible you know, the car dealer should be, should be, or the car maker should be responsible. Couldn't you take that argument full circle and say, well, in the bank situation, the federal government's responsible because they printed the money, that the bank went out. No, you bigot, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, yes, in theory you could, but, but understand what happens here is that, um, the collective can do no wrong. So, the federal government is the embodiment of the collective. So everybody else can be wrong, but the collective can never be wrong. So you, you can never have anybody suing the federal government for doing something wrong under under uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's vision of the world because the, the collective can do no wrong. But yeah, in theory, uh, it, it's the government that printed the money, that gave it to the bank, that gave it to the pipeline. So how far back do you work? Well, uh, under the socialist, democratic socialist view – you can never go that far back because to do so would be an affront to society because it would be to call into question the, the government. She is a, a genius, genius, deep thinker she is. And now, Deep Thoughts
1: by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. At the end of the day... This is an investment in our economy that should grow our wealth as a nation. The question isn't how we'll pay for it, but what we will do with our new shared prosperity. That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria
0: Ocasio-Cortez. She, You know, what's so interesting here is that she and her friends are masking this as so-called democratic socialism, but it's a very communist theory. Uh, It it is it's not so much socialism in that the government can steer corporations so much as the government controls the corporations Uh, socialism government steer social policy and enlist companies to help steer it with communism. The government actually controls the companies and that's what she wants through the, the breakup of shareholders breakup of shares of corporations ending private companies. That's where she's headed folks. the second hour. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone lines are open at 404-872-0750. wsb talk There's a bomb cyclone hitting the uh, Denver area. This Seriously, what is a bomb cyclone? Well, it, the name actually comes from... A uh, atmospheric pressure term uh, with a decrease of 24 millibars over 24 hours. It's known as bombogenesis. So they call it a bomb cyclone. Uh, the storm has, the pressure has dropped 33 millibars since Tuesday morning. It continues to strengthen. They're basically, this is a winter hurricane coming out of the Rocky Mountains down from the Arctic. Uh, the winds, are, sustained winds are blowing at Category 2 hurricane force strength. And uh, Kyle Clark who is a reporter for uh, nine news in Denver has trekked to the Colorado Boulevard, whole foods in Denver. They're out of celery sticks, but they have bananas. They have a few people in shopping. They still have some purple daikon radishes and organic golden beets. They also have lots of bread and milk. Now, why am I getting into this? Well, you know, Whole Foods has become this whole political thing that if you're a Whole Foods shopper, you vote in certain ways, that that every every congressional district or every area that has a Whole Foods went for Hillary Clinton in t- 2016, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very liberal. Liberals tend to—there are conservatives who shop at Whole Foods as well, but it's tended known for upper-income liberals who bribe colleges to admit their kids— Uh, So they have plenty of bread and milk at the Whole Foods in Denver. What do they not have because of the bomb cyclone? Well, they're out of chia berry juice. They're out of green zinzer juice. They're out of beet street juice. They're out of their green light juice. They're even out of the cold pressed watermelon juice. If you want milk or beer or or orange juice, they've got it. But if you want the cold pressed watermelon juice, nope, completely sold out of that and celery. (laughs) upper income liberals don't live like the rest of us. And and, uh, there's an upper income liberal named Beto O'Rourke who wants to run for president. It appears he's going to announce tomorrow that he's running for president. He's asking for volunteers to help send out text messages. That seems to be the way he's going to do it tomorrow is he's going to send out a bunch of text messages to people there. There's this whole uh, vanity fair has vanity fair is the one who they ran the article on abortion. Barbie, uh, Wendy Davis whose sole claim to fame was that she tried to filibuster wearing pink shoes and abortion bill in Texas that still became law. They left out that part. They claimed that she somehow was able to derail it, and she wasn't. And they they referred to her as her Barbie-like good look. She ran for governor of Texas. I referred to her as, as abortion Barbie. I'm really upset I, I was not the one to coin the term Bolshevik Barbie for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, nonetheless, uh, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Um, she's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's now on social media. Attacking someone, Peter Boykin, uh, uh some sort of I don't even know who this guy is. Let's see. What what is he? Um uh promotes unity. Oh, 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 he's calling for for gay and lesbian supporters to vote for Donald Trump and she's tweeting. Are you making the argument that the bondage, dehumanization, and enslavement of Africans is free labor for white landowners equals good old fashioned free market capitalism? Because if so, I'm happy to consider your point. Oh, good gracious. Wow. Yeah. Can I just say, uh, so I, I have routinely said on this program that she lives rent-free in too many people's heads. You don't always have to respond to her, but it is increasingly clear that the media has bought into this idea that she is the voice of the Democratic Party, which is one reason we decided to start doing the deep thoughts uh, pieces here of all the stuff she says. The, the media, national media itself is willing to promote her as some sort of deep thinker on the left. And when you actually consider her ideas, they're they're pretty vapid and shallow. What this tells me is that the English language is on decline. When someone can throw in a few 50 cent words with a few likes and I thinks and I feels and ums, the media treats them as a serious intellectual thinker. When it's not necessarily so. We are hurting for... Intellectual elite in this country and and I don't mean that pejoratively we are hurting for ideas in this country and we have allowed essentially uh, The con men and the charlatans to come in throw a few 50 cent words around and suddenly they're the deep thinkers and it's it's going to be problematic for society now Speaking of deep thinkers we have Elizabeth Warren Elizabeth Warren. She wants to break up uh, the tech behemoths Amazon Facebook Google Apple She sounds like she makes sense until you consider what she's actually saying. Here she is.
1: I believe in markets. That's what this whole point about tech is all about. I see the benefits that markets can produce. I love the fact that there are a zillion people out there developing.
0: Wait, 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 wait. I love the fact uh, th- th- that's her trying to emphasize that she's not the commie we know she is. I love the fact.
1: New apps or starting new businesses or trying a second line. I think that's fabulous. I think it's great that little businesses are trying to get to be medium sized businesses and medium sized businesses are trying to get to be large businesses. But
0: understand this: markets without rules are theft, Hmm. and there's got to be rules. And there's markets without rules are theft. No, they're not. Got
1: to be a cop on the beat.
0: You know, there don't, there doesn't have to be a cop on the beat because what you see time and time again throughout history is that markets begin to self-regulate. You get taken advantage of by, by your local butcher. Because your local butcher, your local grocery store owner, what have you, they they shortchange you. Guess what? You don't go back there. And enough people don't go back there, they get put out of business. Markets don't actually need uh, to have the cop on the beat because people self-police. We saw this happening during the government shutdown when you had private businesses stepping up uh, to help people out in uh, Yellowstone National Park. When the government was closed, you had private businesses going in, cleaning the place up and directing people and cleaning the signs, getting the snow and frost off signs so people knew where they went so everybody could joined together. Uh, people organized themselves into self-policing groups. Will a few people be taken advantage of? Yes, but even in the current system with the cops, people get taken advantage of. What's so staggering here is the Democrats' unwillingness to actually engage in the idea that capitalism is a good, that they don't want to call themselves capitalists. They may call themselves a free marketeer, but by and large, they won't use the term capitalist anymore. Makes you wonder what's going on in the Democratic Party. I have to tell you guys that I have used my Quip electric toothbrush for more than two years, so much so that I asked Quip, I sought them out and asked them if they would actually advertise on my radio show because I love them so much. And so now you listening to the podcast can get the ad as well because I really do like the Quip electric toothbrush. I've used it for about two years. The things I like about the Quip electric toothbrush are that it doesn't have a huge fat handle that makes it hard to hold. It's the size of a regular toothbrush. It doesn't have a charger that you have to carry with you when you travel. It works on a AAA battery. And every three months, they send you a new brush head. So the brush head stays fresh. Even though the body stays the same, you can get it in multiple colors. They send you a new AAA battery when they send you the brush head. And the brush heads are only five bucks. It's a great toothbrush. It is designed by dentists and designers together, and you can tell. That's why I love the Quip. They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals, and they start at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you'll get your first brush head refill pack for free with the Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack for free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's getquip.com slash Eric. I see someone on social media has pointed out that Donald Trump has done more for the environment than Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. He's actually grounded Boeing planes. <laughs> you know, I, mentioned, I played the clip of Elizabeth Warren talking about she loves markets and whatnot, but increasingly there's something Democrats don't like. They don't like calling themselves capitalists, they, they don't like to admit that they're capitalists. Uh, even John Avalon on CNN pointed this out.
1: So, why does the question, are you a capitalist? Have so many people running for the
2: exits. John Avalon has our answer in our reality check. Hi, John.
0: Hey, Allie. You know what shouldn't be a tough question for someone running for president? It's this. Are you a capitalist? It's a layup. Basic stuff. Rooted in American history and culture. And yet, Democratic candidates seem to get spun around the axle on this one. And in the process, only helping Donald Trump's reelection. Yes. See, <laughs> You got John Avalon on CNN pointing out you should not be afraid to call yourself a capitalist. And the angle here is very interesting that you're going to help. You're going to help Donald Trump get reelected. If you do this, it's amazing that the Democrats are going this way. There's a real fear out there that the Democrats are going to go so far left. They're already out attacking Joe Biden before he's even announced, before he's even gotten into the race. And now Beto O'Rourke has come out, and there's yet another fawning profile over Beto O'Rourke, a man whose wife is a billionaire, so he can roam around the countryside campaigning in perpetuity. And then you got somebody like Stacey Abrams out there who's shaking down businesses to try to get them to kill a pro-life bill, and she can't stop running. It's just—it's amazing to see the the nonstop campaigning and shakedowns from the Democrats. I I, I want to I guess capitalize on this to some degree. I I deserve some credit for the Savannah Port getting funded indirectly. So the the AJC is reporting. A deal was cut between Senators Isaacson and Purdue and Mick Mulvaney last year. Mick Mulvaney's uh, right-hand man at the Office of Management and Budget is a dear, dear friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, Russ Vogt. Uh, Russ Vogt is now the acting head of Office of Management and Budget. He puts together the president's budget, et cetera. Uh, Russ is a tough-as-nails bureaucratic fighter who's able to and committed to cutting waste and the federal budget. He believes in limited government. He believes in smaller government. Just a a wonderful guy. He and his wife, Mary, have been longtime friends of mine, and uh, he was obstructed. His confirmation was obstructed in the Senate. It was obstructed by a handful of republicans who do not like the fact that russ ran the heritage um what was it called um have a heritage action for america Russ was the legislative director of Heritage Action for America back when it was actually something putting points on the board fighting Republicans uh, to advance conservatism, and they were uh, bitterly opposed to Russ' vote because he was a conservative trench fighter fighting for limited government. He was also opposed by Democrats because Russ had written uh, in defense of a Christian institution, Wheaton College, requiring that its professors adhere to Orthodox Christianity when it comes to uh, not claiming that Allah and Jesus are somehow the same, or Allah and the Christian God are somehow the same. Uh, and because of that uh, blockade by some Democrats included, Johnny Isaacson and David Perdue cut a deal with Mick Mulvaney. They would vote for Russ vote in exchange for full funding of the Savannah Port. Well, where did Russ vote? write all those things in defense of Christianity? Where, where did he write those things that the Democrats said were anti-Muslim bigotry? resurgent.com. my website. That's where he wrote them. Had Russ Vogt not written those things at TheResurgent.com, we would not have gotten full funding for the Port of Savannah. There you go. Small world. <laughs> the phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to play this media montage about Paul Manafort because they've gone overboard in the idea that the judge didn't sentence him enough. Uh, he ultimately got seven and a half years. The judge in Virginia, who the media loved, they loved the guy. He was tough as nails. He was f- tough on both sides. He hated Paul Manafort. Turns out he didn't give Manafort the, the life in prison and buried under the jail sentence the media expected, and they turned on the judge. Listen to part of this. Uh, how in the world could this judge go so far below guidelines? And Paul Manafort got the special, clubby, Washington, elite, friendly treatment a sentence that is so far below the guidelines that it is an outrage. Look, the sentencing gap reflects what I call the value gap. And the value gap,
1: Craig, is the belief that white people matter more than others, particularly white people with money.
3: You're seeing a
1: white-collar, white whitewashing uh, sentence here. There's this sentence that is uh, in so many ways a mere slap on the wrist. Today's decision, this slap on the wrist. It's a serious crime and you got a slap on the wrist. This was a really shocking astonishing
0: downward departure from the sentencing guidelines uh, just an absolutely shocking sentence
1: shocking and i'll tell you as a former prosecutor i'm embarrassed as an american i am uh i'm upset i, I find this jaw-dropping it, the decision essentially ratifies the world of impunity that paul hmm. manafort pioneered
3: it suggests that something
2: is
0: cooked that something is fundamentally wrong To be a rich white man in America, you get a whole different kind of justice.
3: I mean, how can you be a person of color right now and and not just be embarrassed for the criminal justice system?
0: If his name was Kwame or Pedro, he would be going up the river. It's an outrage and it's disrespectful of the American people. Actually it it could be argued that it damaged uh, American democracy. We saw from the very beginning that Judge Ellis did not really seem to have a grasp on
1: Paul Manafort's life of crime.
0: From the very beginning, this judge seemed to have had a hard-on for just the Mueller probe overall.
1: And for the judge to take that in consideration, to me, is a failure.
0: From the beginning, he was hostile to this case. And he actually sounded like uh, somebody at a Trump rally uh, from the bench. You see how the media, they're imposing their judgment on the judge. You know, for years now the media has told us, and I agree with them, that there's more to the Hillary Clinton situation than what we're led to believe, which is one reason, for example, the Department of Justice decided not to charge. I know, I know, don't don't at me, don't call me, don't yell at me, there is this partisan acts. It's a more complicated situation than Sean Hannity has ever let you know. In the same way, the Manafort situation is a more complicated situation than the media would ever let you know. And the judge in that case was deeply skeptical of of uh, the Mueller probe exceeding the scope of its authority. He said as much, but he also went after the Manafort situation. I am really opposed and have always been opposed to second-guessing judges. And the people now turning on this judge, who they were all applauding, every single one of them, even the one saying, he always seemed like he hated the Mueller probe. They were all cheering this judge whenever he beat down the, the Manafort defense team. Now suddenly they're outraged by him. They're only happy today that a a different judge in a different matter extended the case. But we're seeing this more and more. The implication is that because he's white, he got better treatment. That's not a fact and evidence. There's there's no proof of that. And yet they're saying we're also seeing there's a case here in Georgia of, of a girl who she's not going to jail for any period of time for running over a child. And people say, oh, it's because she's white. There's no evidence. Of it. People are just saying this stuff, whipping people into a frenzy. There's no there there. There's no evidence of it. It's pitiful. And, you know, let's just do the corresponding Hillary Clinton situation. Let's say she did get all sorts. Of, and we do know she got some preferential treatment. She was she was on the team. The media didn't say anything about that. And suddenly they're all upset about Manafort. There is a double standard in the media they want him to go down as a proxy for Donald Trump. It is a reminder of how much they hate Donald Trump. Paul Manafort's a terrible person. He does deserve to go to jail. But let's not pretend that the judge didn't look at this and, and use some some level of education and understanding as a federal judge to set the sentence. And by the way, now the, the, the New York City District Attorney Cyrus Vance... Is out to get Manafort. Cyrus Fancy, if you'll recall, is the guy who helped cover up the Weinstein matter and, and blocked prosecution of Harvey Weinstein, covered up complaints, according to allegations at least. Now he's been the bad guy to the media forever, but now because he's going after Paul Manafort, suddenly he's a hero in the press today. He's a hero in the press. Let's not deny that the media picks winners and losers and tries to shape narratives. I want to come back now to the college scandal. Uh, there are a number of people who are out saying, how is this really a crime? Because a, I, I see left-wing activists now pointing out, you know, Donald Trump's father gave money to University of Pennsylvania, got him in. Uh, Jared Kushner's father gave several million dollars to Harvard. Um, how is this all a crime, what these parents did bribing? Well, I want to walk you through that. But before I do that... I want to remind you about my excellent Quip electric toothbrush and suggest that you get one too. If you want really nice, clean teeth, that's what you should do. The Quip electric toothbrush, it's got sensitive sonic vibrations. It's gentle enough for your sensitive gums, but strong enough to handle the tartar and the plaque. It's got a built-in two-minute timer. It pulses every 30 seconds. Reminds you when to switch sides. It's got a helping guide for a full and even clean up to 90% of us. Don't brush for a full two minutes. We don't clean evenly. The Quip is designed to solve those three problems, and I tell you it has. It's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. It's got thousands of five-star reviews. I'm one of them. I love my Quip electric toothbrush. You can get it for $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Erickson right now, and they give you brush heads. You can refill them every three months for 5 bucks. Your first one will be free with the Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Erickson, getquip.com. So back to this college scandal, how, how is it theft? Well, what have these people actually taken? They've taken spots from qualified people to go to college, but that's not really what they've taken. They, they've taken the college's property. You see, colleges want to have people come in who are uh, academically skilled. They have people they want to come in to fill their sports teams because if their sports teams do well, they have an increase in income. They have people they want to come in because of social prestige, actors, actresses, celebrities, whatnot, like David Hogg going to Harvard. And they have people that uh, they want to come in because their parents write large checks to the university to help them expand their campuses and, and build their capital improvement programs. By these individuals having bribed SAT proctors, having bribed uh, college coaches, they've deprived universities of their right to dole out their property the way they see fit. They, they've deprived universities from acquiring prestige in some way. They've acquired, denied universities the ability to acquire property in some way. They've essentially stolen property is what they've done. I, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Uh, they've essentially illegally bypass the university's right to decide who comes to their university and that's a problem and these people should be punished think of the poor parents who, who put up a fake address to get their kids in a good school that's what they did those poor parents go to jail they should too